0: Waterfalls are beautiful and life-giving, but you will never find a waterfall without an edge. There must be some edge that allows fluidity to meet gravity. Then you get to experience the outpour of a waterfall. This is the Kravica waterfall in Bosnia. And you'll notice how each individual stream finds its edge and then pours down into one united place for the community to share and enjoy. This is like us as the church. And today we get to see how to live on the forward edge of the kingdom of God in our daily lives. Pastor Desi Jimenez takes us into the deeper experience of discipleship as a way of living. Jesus and his disciples show us what happens when we come together and then do life with others, whether in the physical or digital space. So ready for a deeper connection with God? Pastor Desi take us into the outpour.
1: Thank you so much Pastor Bill for this opportunity to be here and yeah, it is my prayer that today we can dive deep into the waters of discipleship. If this is your first time, we've been looking at something called Edge, which stands for evangelism, discipleship, generosity, and empowerment. And although those words, they're, they're nothing new to us, uh, we believe that we want EDGE to be at the DNA of who we are. Pastor Bill first introduced EDGE to us last year, and I believe with all my heart that this is uniquely ours. We want this to permeate our culture, so you're gonna be hearing a lot of EDGE talk around here. And today, we are looking at the D and EDGE, discipleship. And when I was preparing for this message, my mind immediately went to one of the most successful franchises of all time. I mean, Star Wars, right? Bah, 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 wow, that was high. <laughs> okay, Star Wars. If you know me just a little bit, you know that I'm a nerd for all things Star Wars and Disney. One of the happiest days of my life was the day that Disney acquired Star Wars. I mean, the day after. I married my wife and the birth of my son Noah and my daughter Eden come on I mean my two favorite entities are now one giant force to be reckoned with and I knew that we would be getting a lot more Star Wars films over the years and we sure have right haven't we but I mean one of the things that I love about Star Wars is the fun and the fantasy and the whimsy that we see played out in the Jedi I mean The force and lightsabers, who who wouldn't want a real lightsaber? Kids, if you're in the room and you don't have a lightsaber, ask your parents to get you a lightsaber. Do it now. But seriously, the Jedi fascinated me, and it wasn't just the Jedi themselves, but the, the path that they would have to go on in order to become a Jedi. You see, kids were identified, children were identified at a very early age as being unique and set apart. And so they would be whisked away to begin their Jedi training to what seems to be about, well, their early 20s. At the beginning of their training, they would be paired, these young children, Padawans, right? That's what we call a Jedi that's in training, a Padawan. They'd be paired with a Jedi master. And during their years of training, they would go where their master goes, and they they would do what their master says. And they'd just spend a lot of time with their master learning from them, talking to them, gleaning as much knowledge as they can about life, about the dark side, and, of course, about the force. Man, what a picture of discipleship. They did this over and over again, and only only until the Padawan was, was ready, and not a day earlier, would they themselves become a Jedi. But only to take on a brand new young Padawan for themselves to train. Why? So that the cycle can continue. If I don't know, if that's not discipleship, then I don't know what is. And can I say right at the outset that God, he sees a Jedi in every single man and woman out there. He sees a Jedi in you, but Jedi are not developed in a vacuum. They're just not. And for those of you that think that the path of the Jedi was a George Lucas idea, like something he came up with, it isn't. It's actually a God idea. And we see it in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. So here Paul is talking to Timothy, and he simply says, The things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, he's already entrusting that to Timothy, entrust to others, to other reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Why? so that the cycle can continue. So you see, the path, this has been a God idea from the very start. And there's a passage I wanna share with you today, and it's a classic. I mean, if there was a ranking of of verses, which there isn't, this would probably be right underneath John 3.16, and it's Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And it's what we quote here all the time, especially right before baptisms, and it, it just means so much to us. And I think it's because it's Jesus his final words to his disciples as he's spending these last few moments with them. And this is what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So here we have a command from Jesus. And if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, then this command is for you. This isn't just for for pastors or people who work in a church. No, friend, this is for you. Go and make disciples. And I I just want to remove any kind of thought in your mind about, Desi, where do I have to go now? You don't have to go anywhere. Because a more exact and literal translation is, as you go, (laughs) make disciples. You know, in your coming, in your going, as, as you go to work, As you go to your favorite grocery store or coffee shop, when you're outside with your neighbors, as you're living your life, as you're going, make disciples. Now, I know this might be a little bit difficult for some of us to hear because it just, it hasn't been our pattern. It's not what we do. I mean, when was the last time that we made a disciple? And it might just be because you just don't know how. You just don't know how. The thought of sharing your faith with with your neighbor with with a family member, with with a friend, like you're already already breaking out in hives. Or maybe you'd think, I'd do it, I really would, I just don't know what to say. And what if they ask me a question and I don't know how to answer it? Well, friends, here we've hosted two uh, events, right? They're called the Gospel Conversations, and there's another one scheduled on October 3rd. And what we do have the gospel conversations is that we train you and we equip you and we give you the language and the tools that you need so that you can share your faith with others so that you too can begin making disciples. I mean, aren't you here because someone shared Jesus with you? Aren't you here because someone invited you? You know, I don't know a fact is that we're always one generation away from the church being extinct. If we don't share, if we don't tell. So so that the cycle can continue. So here we have the word disciple in its simplest form. It means a learner of Christ. That's it, a learner of Christ. Now discipleship, that word actually never occurs in the Bible. And the term is a little bit ambiguous in English and in Spanish and in Portuguese and in, and in French. I mean, uh, and I know that because I've had so many discussions with so many of you. For, for some, it means this, for others, it means that, and today I want to clear the air and settle on one definition that we can all agree upon. So one of the definitions can mean my discipleship in defining my own way and how I follow Jesus and how I trust him and how I learn from him, how I grow in a deeper relationship with him. That's one definition. A second definition does have a verb in the Greek, and that's "mateu," right, to make disciples. It can mean it can mean to preach the gospel so that a bunch of people get saved, right? We see this in Acts 12:21, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. So disciples in one sense can mean tell them about Jesus, man, get them saved, get them on the Jesus team, and that's what we want to help you do with the gospel conversations, to train you and equip you. Or to make disciples can mean the whole entire process of conversion of baptism and teaching them the way of Jesus. And that's what we see in Matthew 28 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and and then, this is what he wants you to do, this is what he wants you to do, baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the definition I want us to stick with today. So here we have a command and two action steps. The command is go and make disciples, (laughs) get them converted, and then get them baptized and spend a lifetime teaching everything that Jesus said. That sounds like a process to me. Like there's a couple steps involved that. It's not just telling them about Jesus, getting them saved, and then, oh, all right, peace out. See you later. No, that's a process. We say it like this around here. We want to help people find and follow Christ. People need to find and experience Jesus' his saving hand. Yes, And people need to be taught and experience true discipleship. I mean, we need to relearn how to think and how to feel even, and even how to speak sometimes. When we become a Christian, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old one, the old life, it's gone, and a new life has begun. It's important to note, friend, that it's not the other way around. You do not have to act like a Christian in order to become one. I think sometimes we stand on the sideline of life, waiting, waiting to accept Jesus, or maybe even waiting to get baptized because we might feel like we need to get certain things in order. Like, we need to clean up, quick, clean up the house because house guests Jesus is coming over. But no, that's not the gospel. The gospels come just as you are. And I know that's just an old song, that's not a Bible verse, but it's true. Ask Jesus into your heart, accept him, and then let him take care of your stuff. Let him take care of your stuff as he he becomes your Lord and your Savior and and your treasure. So what are you waiting for, friend? If you want to find your edge, ask Jesus into your heart. Ask Jesus into your heart. Do it today. You're going to have an opportunity at at the end of the message to do it. Do it. Surrender and let him take care of your stuff. Now, I want to hit the pause button for just a moment and say that I am fully aware that we're all on a journey in different stages, and you might have just started your journey, or maybe you don't even realize that you're on a journey. Can I tell you, let's begin a dialogue. Can I ask you, let's begin a dialogue, right? We want Christ's journey to be a place where you can find safety and refuge. Don't go anywhere. Stick with us. Stick with us, and let Jesus reveal himself to you All right, unpause. All right, so once you become a disciple of Jesus, now we have an action step. That action step is get baptized. And baptism is simply what comes after belief in Jesus. We gotta find some water, declare that Jesus is alive in your heart by faith, and then you're immersed. And that process, it means something. It it means, it signifies the death, the burial, And the resurrection of Jesus, your old life, it's dead. It's dead, it's gone. A new life in Jesus has begun. Can I let you in on a little secret? Is that there is nothing in the Bible that indicates that you need to wait any amount of time before getting baptized. Not six months, not a year, not even taking some classes at a church. Nothing. In fact, go with... We're gonna talk about Acts chapter eight where we find Philip. And this Philip, this is not Philip the disciple. This is another Philip. This Philip here, in fact, this Philip here later on towards the end of Acts, he gets the name Philip the evangelist. And I think this might be why. Philip hears from the angel of the Lord and he says, hey, Philip, get up and start traveling down that road. You see that road, start traveling down it. So Philip starts traveling down the road. There he encounters a chariot that's carrying an Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch happens to be reading the book of Isaiah. And it's, in, it's the portion of Isaiah where it's describing Jesus as, as this perfect, spotless, blameless lamb. But the Ethiopian eunuch, he doesn't understand, you know, what is this? What's the point? So Philip begins to unpack it for him. And, This is what happens in real time. Check this out. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What stands in the way of me being baptized? So he believed, and then he was baptized. Like moments later, baptism is a symbol. It's a declaration. It's going public with your new life in Christ. Do you want to begin making disciples? but you don't know how, invite them to your baptism. They may not accept your invitation to a Sunday morning experience, a regular Sunday morning experience, but if you tell them that you're getting baptized, they will come. They will come to your baptism. Even during COVID, uh, we were able to safely and responsibly baptize David Alonzo on June 12th. On June 12th, David Alonzo declared publicly for, for everybody to see, for the whole internet to see that Jesus was alive in his heart. Friend, what are you waiting for? If you wanna find your edge, get baptized. So there we have our command to make disciples and our first action step, get baptized. So now we're gonna look at action step number two which is teach them, and now in verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And maybe you're asking, teach them? I'm the one that needs to be taught. How do I even follow Jesus? What does that even mean? Well, young Padawan, it looks a little bit like Jedi training. It means that you go where your master goes and you do what your master says. And you spend time with your master, talking to him. We call that prayer. It means getting trained by your master, right? Spending time in the Bible so that a change can occur, a metamorphosis, right? Romans 12, 2 calls that the renewing of your mind. Our minds, they need to get renewed. Spend time with him. And if you're new to this, maybe you've never done it before, or maybe that... Desi, I've tried to read the Bible, I've tried, but every time it just falls flat. Can I ask you to try one thing for seven days? One thing for seven days. Spend five minutes praying. Just talk to him. Talk to him like a best friend. Talk to him like, like he's your dad. And I, I know some of you didn't, had a horrible dad. Some of you maybe didn't even have a dad, but can I tell you that this dad, he's a good dad. Just talk to him. Talk to him like he's your friend. Five minutes. Then spend five minutes reading the Bible, God's word. The book of John, it's a a great place to start. You have Matthew, New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Spend five minutes reading something from the book of John. Then spend five minutes jotting down some notes, maybe in a notebook or maybe just on the notes app on your phone. Just spend some time reflecting on what you've prayed and what you've what you've read and, and ask God to make the words come alive to you. He can do it. And maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't even have a desire to do that. Ask God for the desire. Ask him. He can handle it. He already knows it. Just ask him. He can handle your, your, your doubts and your fears. Ask him and watch him come through as he will. So, That's all I'm asking for today, friends, is 15 minutes. Five minutes praying, five minutes reading, and five minutes in in reflecting and meditating. You need this in your life. Don't discount it. Don't let the busyness of this life keep you from spending time with the person who you call your Lord and Savior. That's your time with him. But remember, Jedi aren't built in a vacuum. So let's look more closely at Matthew 28, 20, because teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, teaching them. It sounds like there's more than one person involved in there, right? There's that word them, like there's a group of people. Do you know that from the time Jesus uttered the words from the Great Commission, the church would grow so massively. It was insane, in fact, Let's go to day number one, that, where the church was ignited, right? The day of Pentecost, there was 120 individuals gathered in the upper room, 120. And on that day, the scripture says that on the day of Pentecost, the church would grow to 3000 people. Check this out, those who accepted his message, they were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their numbers on that day. So on that day, the first church, the church in Jerusalem, it became a mega church. And then this is what it says in Acts 2.27, the Lord added to their numbers daily those who are being saved. That's like every day God was adding to their numbers. And then fast forward 25 years from from, from those 120 in the upper room, within 25 years, the church in Jerusalem would grow to 100,000 people. And, and that's just in one church. That's just the church in Jerusalem. And I think, I think that's why it says in Acts 5, 28, that the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees said, "'You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine.'" Yeah, they weren't joking. Half of Jerusalem came to Christ. It sounded like they were taking Matthew 28 really seriously. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, some multiplication was going on in there, right? People were making disciples. But 100,000 people, I can only think when you have a church of 100,000 people, where do you fit them all? Acts 5.42 says this. It says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So there you have two types of meetings, in the temple courts and from house to house. Does that I don't know if it sounds familiar to you, if not, maybe it will in a second, but it sounds familiar to me. In the temple courts, these were huge courtyards, huge gatherings that were in front of the temple and nobody actually went into the temple. Only one guy went into the temple and it was just once a year. So everybody would gather in these enormous courtyards that could hold thousands so that they can gather together, so that they can worship, so that they can proclaim Jesus. So a large gathering, kind of like we have today with our auditoriums. In our buildings so that people can gather. And from house to house, in homes where you can't fit a thousand people or a hundred, just a few, in temple courts and from house to house. In, in, in small gathering, like in groups, right? That strategy worked back then, and that strategy still works today. Pastor Rick Warren, he's the pastor of Saddleback Church in California. He's the author of The Purpose-Driven Life. He says this: that the church should grow larger and smaller at the same time. Larger, yeah, because we're making disciples. We're telling people about Jesus. They're getting saved, so the church is growing. The church is alive and smaller because people are meeting in groups, in homes, in small pockets. So at the same time, the church should be growing larger and smaller. And if I could, this is how you make a big church feel small. And if I could put it in our context for where we are today, maybe this is how you can feel a church that's been scattered because of COVID. Still feel like you're connected, like you're a part of the church. It's in groups. Yeah, we're called to be disciples and to make disciples. And we have found that groups, it's that intentional time where discipleship can take place, where it can happen. Where we set aside an hour to two hours of our week so we can gather together. In fact, some of you might not know what I'm talking about when I even talk, say groups, so I want to share a little snapshot from my own life. It was 2009, my wife Jen and I, we decided to open our home for something that we call around here a mixed group. A mixed group. Yeah, we have men's groups, women's groups, young adult groups. This one, it was called a mixed group. That means that anybody can join that group. Man, woman, married, single, dating, it doesn't matter. You could join that group. And that group was great. It was life-changing. Every Wednesday at around 7.45, people would start trickling in. By 7, 7.05, we'd, we'd start eating a meal that somebody from the group would bring. We would all take turns. Now, then by 7.30, we'd start circling up. You know, it's, it's time to start. And during that beginning time, we'd have something called an icebreaker. And this was just something that our group did back then. We were in our late 20s. We were silly and we just wanted to do an icebreaker just to kind of loosen everybody up. And an icebreaker would go a little something like this. Like, what's your favorite TV theme song from your youth that you still remember all the words to? And now stand up and sing it. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name, right? In fact, just for fun, If you're watching online, put it in the chat. What's your favorite theme song from your childhood? They don't make them like they used to. Man, after that time, it would be so much fun. And so we had been fed, we had been loosened up by an icebreaker, and now we would enter into a time where we would open the Bible, where either I would share something or my co-leader would share what we had prepared ahead of time. And we'd dig in to see what God was really, trying to say to us Uh, with always, always with a view of engaging everybody in the room. This wasn't about just one person speaking, but about people sharing, to really dig deep, to see what God might be trying to say to, to us as a group or to us as individuals. We really grew big time in that group. And friends, if I could share something really personal with you guys, is that during those few years that that group was together my wife and I, we suffered a miscarriage. And we suffered the loss of my mother-in-law, of my mother-in-law who fought cancer and she fought it hard. And nobody besides our immediate family would surround us to take care of us, to, to call us, to send us text messages of encouragement, to be there for us physically, to bring us a meal that group was really there for us. And maybe you're in a place right now where you need to surround yourself with some people like that. Join a group. And I know for some of you men and some of you introverts out there, you're thinking, why can't I just schedule a root canal? Because what what that guy described, that sounds terrible. Well, truth be told, I had some of those same fears. But we created a safe space. And what started off as scary became safe and even fun so much so that right around christmas time we developed this little tradition for those couple years that we were together where right around christmas time i'd uh, i'd make my I'd, we'd invite everybody over I, i'd tried to make my abuelas uh, authentic hot chocolate you know the real stuff it's almost like pudding and the price of admission was that everybody had to wear the silliest christmas pajama you could find i mean You weren't getting in without one. If you didn't have one, you were were going to Target and picking one up. And so we'd sit around, we'd sip hot chocolate, and we'd watch my favorite movie of all time, Elf. That was just something that our group did back then. So you see, what started off as as scary, it became safe, and then it, it even became fun. But during our normal meetings, our normal gatherings on Wednesday nights, after the meal, after the highs and lows, after some prayer, we'd open up the Bible and we'd see, man, what does God have to say to us today? Either myself or my co-leader had prepared something, but always, always with a view of engaging everybody in the group so that we can experience what the Bible calls ironing, sharpening iron. We always wanted to see what God was trying to say to us as a group, yeah, and as individuals. Healing was found in that group. Sins and struggles were confessed for the first time. The walls, they came down. Masks came off. And no, I'm not talking about the co- our COVID masks. I'm talking about the masks that we all wear. A lot of growth took place in that group, especially right here with this guy. There we experienced true discipleship, We experience what Ephesians 4.16 says, that he makes the whole body fit perfectly together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So that's a snapshot of what my group looked like. You can take or leave the icebreakers. But what I have just described to you, that intentional time on those Wednesday nights, that's what a typical group looks like at Christ's Journey. Not every group, but most groups and hundreds of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's my hope, it's my prayer, it's my desire that the rest of you would find out what your life could look like when you have intentional, intentional time with others in what we call groups. For some of you, I know this is scary, but can I ask you, what's standing in your way? Really, what's standing in your way? For some of you, it's fear. You just don't know enough. But the truth is is that we all have a starting point when it comes to knowledge. Your first day back to school, starting a brand new job. We've all done it. For some of you, it might be a tradition. Maybe you're afraid that you'd be uh, letting your, your family down or messing up some kind of, of, of trust that you might have with your family or your friends. For some of, uh, maybe it's a form of religion that you're holding on to. For some of you, you're just too busy. I mean, you, you don't have enough hours in the day. And for some of you, it, truth be told, you don't see the value in what I'm describing. Name it. Just name it. What's holding you back? Look, I know that I can call up a best friend, someone close to me who's like-minded, or maybe even a mentor when I need to talk to somebody, when I need to share what's on my heart, maybe get advice. All of those things are good and well, and we need those things. But can I tell you that that does not replace what you would experience in a group? It just won't. And with all this edge talk around here, maybe you're thinking, man, my edge, it's pretty sharp. It's pretty sharp, and I don't have, I'm not in a group, and I'm not going to get in a group. Friend, can I tell you that you do not know sharp (laughs) until you do life with others? You just don't know what sharp means until you do life with others. Because Jedi, they're not built in a vacuum. Can I say boldly today that if you're not in a group, today you need to get in a group you need to do it today. You don't know how many times I've heard of the same thing from so many people. And if I could just be transparent with you guys, it mostly comes from men. Like one of our attendees, Manny, who said this. He said, Desi, I fought it. I fought it hard. I didn't wanna be in one of those groups. Ask my wife. I didn't wanna, she's right here. I didn't wanna be in one of those groups, but then I got in one of those groups. And now I can't imagine my life not being in that group. He was almost mad about it. He was almost mad about it, but I think it's because he was seeing for the first time everything that he'd been missing for so long. And now as he looked out and saw all these other men and what that one's missing and what that one's missing out on and what that one's missing out on, sometimes you don't see until you're in it. You might never understand what I'm, I'm, I'm describing, what I'm explaining until you experience it for yourself In fact, that's the true irony of all of Edge, of evangelism, discipleship, generosity, and empowerment. You won't know until you experience it, until you you breathe it, until you taste it. You won't know. So friend, what are you waiting for? If you want to sharpen your Edge, get in a group where you can be known, where you can belong. It's such an unprecedented time in our culture, in our world right now. We started off 2020 with a virus, with a sickness that has led to to death, to unemployment, and all that. That's been tearing us apart. Racial and social injustice has been tearing us apart. Politics, politics has been tearing us apart. And with all of this self-isolation, I feel what's been hidden in the closet is actually a rise in domestic violence and depression and depression. Why? Because we're not meant to do life alone. We're not meant to do life alone. Friends, with all these things tearing us apart, shouldn't we be the church that builds itself up? From from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work, it builds itself up. Today, many of you need to sign up to be in a group today, maybe even for the first time, if not in a long time. Do it. (laughs) Do it today. We wanna be here for you. We want you to experience life with others. Since March, we've been hearing isolate, isolate, isolate. And today, hear me say, yes, stay home, but do not isolate. Do not isolate, Christ's journey is here. We're reaching out our hand, take it, and and be a part of it by by being in community with others. And until our doors open again, our physical doors open again, we will be running hard and we will be running fast with our Sunday morning experiences online and in our groups using tools like Zoom. Do it. Some of you today, you need to re-up. Maybe you were in a group, but COVID hit and disrupted everything, or summer came and you took a break, today you need to re-up, re-up with your group commitment today. Still others of you have have been in a group for a long time. You know what it means to be in a Christ Journey group, but today you're feeling the nudge, or you've been feeling it for quite a while. Like it's time to step up, step up. Step up to lead a group, to facilitate a group, because you have what it takes. Make yourself known. The connect card that you'll hear about, the group sign up card that you'll hear about at the end of the message, there's gonna be a place for you to indicate that you wanna know more about facilitating a group. Today, for some of you, it's time to step up and start leading a group. We need you. Friend, if you're hearing me and Jesus has now become your Lord and Savior, if you have not yet become his Padawan and you are not yet his Jedi Master and he is not yet your Jedi Master, then can I ask you, what are you waiting for? Ask him into your heart. We went through the Great Commission today, Matthew 28, and I want to read you the last thing that Jesus said in verse 20. He says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That's a promise from Jesus. And can I tell you as a Jesus follower that he always keeps his promise. Always. He always keeps his promises. He promises to be with you even in the midst of this life that we're living. Man, 2020 has tried to throw a curveball at us, hasn't it? But he promises to be with us. All you have to do is call on his name. Ask him in to your heart. Invite him, invite him into your life. And then please... Would you let us know? Say it in the chat. Mark it on a digital connect card, but let us know so that we can come alongside of you. Do it today. Ask Jesus into your heart so that he can begin discipling you and then surround yourself with others so that they can disciple you too. Today's your day. Today's your day. Stop waiting. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you have designed us in a way that you have, that you have made us with a longing to be with others. And today, I pray that people would find community, that they will discover what it means to be a member of the body of Christ, Lord, your your church. We need each other. Help us to see it. And as we see it, then help us to be bold to take the next steps, Lord, so we can experience it. This has been your plan from the very start. And friend, if you're out there and Jesus is not yet your Lord and Savior, if you have not yet asked him into your heart, if you haven't taken his hand so that he could rescue you, then can I ask you to just pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord, I've been trying to do life on my own, to do it my way. And today... I wanna say, I wanna do it your way, Lord. Today, I wanna turn from what I've been doing and I turn to you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and rescue me, Lord. Save me. Lord, I wanna be your child. I wanna be your child. Lord, rescue me. It's in the powerful and strong name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Amen.